How many Swartz Creek? Love it. Well, good morning, Freedom Center. So they say I've got uh, 20 to 30 minutes. How many of you guys think I have 30 minutes? Can I see your hand? How many say I only have 20 minutes? Again, deacons write down their names. Open your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Galatians 6, verse 4. We're going to go through just a couple of verses here. We're going to read it very slowly so that we can kind of get the impact of this on our heart. We're starting a new series today. We're going to spend three months. I mean, we spent that last series, three months, the book of Romans. This is going to be a different type of series. It's topical versus exegetical. It's not we're just going to exegete the Scripture verse by verse. We're going to actually go over some topics, but I, I think you'll find this to be really important. Look at this. Um, Galatians chapter four, chapter 6, rather, verse 4, and we're just going to take the first verse. Everybody, read this with me. Will you say this with me? Make a exploration of and the... Just say it again. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. Listen, I could stop right there. I could literally stop right there, and we could spend one-on-one conversations, a pot of coffee a day for the next three months. That question, who you are and the work that you've been given, a careful exploration of who you are, who God made you to be, the gifts that he put inside you, the resources that are at your hand, who you are and the work. How many guys know that who you are has a purpose? Come on, somebody say amen or I'll preach all day. Who you are, there's a destiny, there's a destination, there's a purpose. It's not just to live a simple middle-class life and go to heaven someday and avoid hell. Your life is intricately involved in the plans of God here and now. You are just as called, you are just as vital, you are just as powerful as Esther, who was born for such a time as that. You are born for such a time as this. The reason you were born 100 years ago is because you weren't needed then. You're needed now. There's a purpose. Make it careful. Everybody say careful. A careful exploration. This is the message translation, by the way. So you look at the NIV going, none of those words are in my Bible. It's the message. Eugene Peterson took it and kind of expanded on it. Listen, a careful. We're going we're to take a good look. We're going to listen to our own hearts. We're going to see what God's hidden inside of us. We're going to try to figure these things out. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you why most of us have never taken a season to do this. Just, just very simply, we're children, my, my generation, uh, we're children of the industrial age. The purpose of the educational system back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s was, was an assembly line of five-year-olds becoming 18-year-olds that were literate enough to work in the factories and on the farms. Does this make sense? How many of you know times have changed? What's happening now is that the same information being disseminated to the same 5-year-olds to 18-year-olds is now really not, I'm not criticizing, we just appreciate our teachers last week, I hope you understand the heart, but we have to understand that not everybody's created to work in a factory or on a farm. Some people are meant to create things. Some people are meant to merge things. Some people are created to think about things. Some, things are, some people are created for art. Some people are created for shops. Some people are created for a variety of destinations because we have a variety of destinies. And, and I'm thankful for the school system that makes us literate in reading, writing, and arithmeticing, right? But, but what we're created to do is probably something different than our educational system is capable of preparing us for. Amen. So when I took a look at this, I said, you know, I'm going to take a careful exploration. About seven years ago, I was challenged to do this. And this is my statement of kind of existence. And it's not to give it you yours, but to tell you it's hard to take volumes of information and hours of meditative, you know, introspection and all that kind of stuff and come down to a sentence. But here it is. I'm anointed with wisdom and language that connects people in a greater way to what God sees when he looks at them. Connecting them by doing that to God, their purpose, their neighbor, and the world around them at a higher level. That, I think that's kind of one of the things I'll be held accountable for before God. How many of you guys see that? 
Okay, well, that, that's, that's kind of my burden. That's kind of my talent, if you will, to bear for the Lord and invest. Uh, that's, that's probably one of many, but that's one of those things where once I'm aware of it now, I'm responsible to it. And I encourage you to do this. Let's go back and look at that verse where I add another verse to it. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. How many guys love it when you get to sink yourself into what you're created to do? It's just, I, I love to worship because I'm created to be a worshiper. Anybody else just feel God in worship? Like I just, I feel it's different when I'm working, I can worship, but it's kind of like whistling while you work. It's not, it's not the same thing. When I am just set apart, consecrated to the Lord for worship, I love that because I'm just lost in it. I don't care who's mad at who on Fox News. I don't care what the letters CNN really stand for. I don't care who won the game last night except for the Michigan game, which is the only game that counts. I don't, I don't care. About, I, don't ca I just care about Jesus, right? It feels so good. Why? Because I was created to worship, and so were you. So when you find yourself in that, that wonderful moment where the hammer strikes the nail and the nail goes down three inches, you realize I was created to bang nails. I was created to worship. I was created to speak. I was created to listen. I was created to learn. I was created to serve or prophesy or evangelize or whatever that is, right? So over the next three months, we're going we're gonna to look at this verse of Scripture. So make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't, there's places we get messed up. Don't be impressed with yourself. Wow, am I talented? No one served as well as I. No one prophesies like I prophesy. How many of you guys know that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the how many of you guys are proud of, proud of your own humility? Like, it's really good. Okay, good, right. I got a, a medal at camp one year for being the most humble. When I wore it, they took it away from me. So I, I didn't know it was a con, right? So, so don't be impressed with yourself. The second thing, the other bookend, like, don't compare yourself with others. Well, how come he gets such a great calling and I'm just stuck here doing this? How come she has such a great talent? And, and you know, she must have gotten in line twice in heaven. That's why I have no talent at all. Well, how come Cheyenne can play every instrument that exists, and I, I can't even play the congas without getting everybody, you know, messed up? Like, what? I can't play a tambourine without it sounding like someone fell down the stairs attached to a tambourine. How, why, why is that? Well, and I, so we can't, we can't, like, I'm so great, or how come they get that better life than I do? How many of you guys know we have to make a careful assessment, really take a good look, what are we here for? And the work that we're called to do. And look at this. Each of you, and this is pretty imperative, each of you should kind of sort of from time, is that what it says? Each of you what? You got to. You got to take responsibility for doing your creative best. You can with your life. I want you to hear me. If you're going to live the life that God created for you to live, it will not be by accident. It will be by design. Pastor Caleb and Jenny are not going to stumble into a great church, I promise you. They're going to stumble into a battle. And they're going to fight for every inch of ground in that city. And strongholds are going to have to be addressed. And apathy is going to have to be addressed. And racism is going to have to be addressed. And violence is going to have to be addressed. And we're cool, we're Swartz Creek, we're the dragons is going to have to be addressed. You know what I'm saying? They're going to go thing after thing, idol after idol, altar after altar. And they're going to win those things for the kingdom of God. That's not going to happen by accident. And the same thing is true in your life as it is in theirs. The great things that God has hidden in you, for you, to be you, will not just suddenly blurt out without preparation, without effort, with, without this, you know, doing the best you can, taking your own responsibility for your own life. How many of you guys know it's not the government's problem to feed you? And it's, and it's not God's problem to get you to be great. Like, he literally is saying, you do this. You make a careful assessment. You do your best. You exercise your gifts. You find a way. Like, if you're not going to be willing to put in the effort, no one stumbles into greatness. No one wakes up one day and goes, I, what do you do? I don't know. I'd probably play for the NFL. 
What do you do? I don't know. And I just became a billionaire. I just was sitting on the street corner one day and money started. Like everybody, whatever you're going to accomplish is going to take effort. Every book you write, every song you write, every painting, every drawing, every idea, every creative thing that comes through. Like a creative idea is less than the single simple effort of creating something. You, you've, you've got to combine faith with work. So you're still here. So there's a few foundations we're going to look at during these three months. And, and if you just listen to the statement, how we, how we handle the management of time, how we handle the management of money, how we handle the management of our God-given gifts decides in advance, it predetermines if we spend our lives or we invest them. You say, what's the difference? Go to a funeral. You'll see the difference. Someone who spent their life there's a few obligatory people, and the guy that, that wants you to sign the note so he can get the day off from GM that never liked you to begin with. And they come to your funeral, but they really came for the dinner and the open bar afterwards. Someone who invested their life, and I've been there hundreds of times, so I'm not making this up, I can walk into a room, and from, with my eyes closed, I can hear whether or not that person lived an invested life or they just spent it. In that room, you'll hear a variety of ages. You'll hear a variety of voices. There'll be a life to it. People will be laughing. People will be crying. People will be telling stories. There's a community that, that the only thing many of them have in common is the deceased. But that person invested their life. Let me tell you something. You may not think it's important to invest your life, but I promise you there's a day coming in eternity where the only thing that will be important is that you invested your life. Let's not take this carelessly. Let's be careful and make an exploration of who we are and the work that God has given us to do. Are you still here? Are you still here? All right. So these are here. The kingdom culture has embedded in it. And that's the name of the series is Kingdom Culture. It has embedded in it certain rhythms. And I need to know that you heard that word. So say rhythm. There's rhythms. There's certain patterns that emerge in everything concerning the kingdom. Jesus is very clear about the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. Why? Because the seed has a rhythm to it. it has a, it's like the seasons. Why? Because the seeds uh, the, and the seasons have rhythms to them. And these are for everybody. Few will ever harness them for a variety of reasons, such as they're counterintuitive. They don't make any sense. Have you ever noticed that Jesus says, if you want to really live, what are you supposed to do? Right? You're supposed to die. And, and if you really want something to come back to you in multiplied form, you have to do what first? You have to give it away. And, and if you want to have friends, the first thing you have to do is be, like, like it's an upside down kingdom. If you want to be first, what do you got to be? Like, this is the way that it works. So it's counterintuitive. The, the way that the world sees the world accomplishing, it's, 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 I was just following a guy yesterday. I told my wife I had this strange experience. There's a guy in front of me, late 20s, early 30s. He's driving a $100,000 Porsche convertible. So instantly, it's not a Ford, and I don't like him. <laughs> not that judgment's an issue that I have. I'm just saying. And if you thought I do had an issue with judgment, then you judge me. So we're on the same. We, everybody's evil, even here. Uh, did I say evil? I meant even. Everybody's even. Wow. Freud was right. Um, and, and, and on his license plate, it said, Doobie. I thought, he's one of those pot-growing guys. And he's flaunting his fortune by growing dope in my city. And I, I wanted to get up beside him and have a conversation with him as a pastor, <laughs> as a father. But how many guys know a Subaru Impreza cannot keep up with a Porsche convertible? And even in the short span of Silver Lake Parkway, that kid outran me. But I thought, you know, I got to say, you're not one of those guys selling dope in my community. You, you better not have one of those gross shops. Listen, some people need it for medicine, but most people are just smoking dope, you know, becoming a burden on us. You should be ashamed of yourself. <sighs> ah, why do people hate Christians? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. 
It's the kindness that just overwhelms them, I think. And as I'm in Home Depot buying the paint, you know what that evolved into? I wanted to walk up to him and say this. If what you're doing is what I think you're doing, there will be a day when it all comes tumbling down because the foundation beneath it is, it's worldly. It has an expiration date. And you're driving your Porsche now. But when the Porsche is gone, the money's gone, the family's gone, your friends are gone, and it all falls apart. My name is Jim, and I pastor a church called Freedom Center Church in Fenton. And I want you to call me anywhere you are in the world. And when you call me, I'll get on a plane, I'll meet you where you are, and I'll bring you home. And we'll figure it out. How many of you guys know when you live long enough, you realize what's great today sometimes, how many of you guys know if it's not built on the right foundation, it will not last? I just want to say, when the day comes and you hit rock bottom, I'm your phone call. Don't call your lawyer, call me, and I'll be there. Why is that? Because it, it's counterintuitive. If you want something, go grab it, go get it, go to, but how many of you know that if you build something that's not built by the king, and it's not under the, the domain of the king, the kingdom of God, it, it's subject to failure over and over and over again. People gain fortunes and lose them every day in our country because they build things with no foundation. You've got to have a foundation. So it's counterintuitive. Second thing, it's faith-centered. You've you, you got to believe it. When you stick a seed in the soil, you've got to believe that the seed, the soil, the water, the warmth, the, it just there's some sort of wonderful magic that takes place that's God created it so that seed dies but something else comes out. You have to believe that. Otherwise, why are you getting rid of your seed? Keep your seed in your hand. Eat the seed. Put the seed on your salad. But don't put the seed in the ground and bury it. You'll never see the seed again unless it's faith center. Why would you give? Why would you take a Sabbath rest? Why would you serve? Why would you go to the end of the line so that God can call you great in the kingdom? Like These are the things like they're counterintuitive, and they have to be based on trusting the one who said to live this way. They're empowered by God. It really. Let me tell you something. It's not fair what God does for his people to the rest of the world. Like, when we're on the right side of this equation, how many of you guys know God does some pretty cool things? Things that, things that people without God can't even possibly imagine. And, and really, we're supposed to be so blessed that they cause those who walk in them to stand out as his people. How do you do that? How's your marriage? How do you run in a, how do you, but, but you, but I have this and I don't have any of that. And why do you, I'm not talking about possessions alone. I'm talking about a prosperity of soul in our relationships and our, in our children and our, like, how do you do what you do? And we get to say, I don't do what I do. I'm just a farmer who plants seeds in the right soil. God does the miracles. See, and, and today I want to just share one of these things with you because I knew we we're going to be, you know, short on time. That clock says I have 15 minutes. Your clock says I have five. So let me, let me try this. Um, one thing, just to get us started, I just I want to you know prime the pump for what we're about to do for the next three months, and I want to show you something that you've read probably hundreds of times if you're a student of the Word, but I, but I bet you most of you have never seen it, and it's how cool, wonderful, powerful, blessed, faith-centered the Sabbath is. Now you say the Sabbath, do we even do that anymore? No, as a culture we don't, and and as a law to be stoned for breaking or judged in the days of Israel where the Pharisees couldn't stone you to death, they just judged you to death and ostracized you and cast you outside. Like, like we, it was important then, but now we live under this wonderful thing of grace. Jesus says he's the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift to mankind. But, but please hear me, God would have never said to do it if it wasn't good for us. A one day per week restful honoring of God. I say, I don't have time for that. I'm so glad you said that, right? God has built rhythms into time. There's a time to plant. There's a time to reap. 
There's a time to rest. There's a time to work. There's daytime. There's nighttime. There's spring. We're so excited about summer where it's all planted and growing, and then the, hopefully the rain falls on. The latter rain comes. We work really hard at harvest, and then we sit around all winter long the other nine months out of the year in Michigan that are nigh upon us, and we wait for spring. Why? There's a rhythm. Everything, listen, everything God created, there's a cycle. There's a rhythm. There, and when you see what that rhythm is, and you combine it with God's principles that are counterintuitive, and you add faith to them, and then God empowers them, you get to live a life that's different from the lives of those who don't trust God that way. I thought it'd be kind of quiet, so let's enjoy this. Watch what God does with Adam. Before the fall, before the time clock, before the UAW, before the farm, there, there was this relationship that had a rhythm in it concerning work and rest with Adam. Look at this. Uh, Genesis chapter, what is it? Chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. They're going to rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. How many of you guys think some commandments are more fun to fulfill than others? <laughs> Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves all over the ground. Now, God, this is verse 31. We skipped over a few verses. God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. How many of you guys think that's pretty cool? Now, take a look what happens next. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. By the seventh day, so that was the sixth day, on the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. God made that seventh day different from the other days. You getting this? This, this 24-hour time span from sundown on the sixth day to sundown on the seventh day was a day that he said this has a different purpose, and it has a different anointing. It has a different, you know, when, when you work and work and work six days a week, on this day, you, you're blessed if you work on six days. You're blessed if you don't on the seventh day. How many of you guys know there's a rhythm to this? There's a blessing in work. Somebody say Amen. But there's a blessing and rest, God says. This day has a different, a different umbrella that you stand underneath. It's not the day of working and tending the garden and naming animals and, and figuring out, you know, where the fig leaves are just in case. It's not that. There's a day of the week where God blesses not what he did, but he, he doesn't bless. God wouldn't bless you to rest when you're supposed to be working, and God doesn't bless you to work when you're supposed to be resting. And we have to trust God while we work. We have to trust God while we rest. And so this is what happened. So he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, here's something. I remember, this is one of the greatest things I could ever teach you. Literally, if you get this, there's a rhythm that gets unlocked that is a foundation for everything else we're going to talk about for the next three months. Are you getting this? If you grasp what I'm talking about, what I'm teaching on right now, it will open up doors to you. It is right there in Scripture. We've read it hundreds of times. I know almost no one that applies this in their life. And we're, we're suffering in our production. We're suffering in our worship. We're suffering in our families because we're ignoring a clear principle of Scripture that God gave to us as a gift to bless us. He's going to bless us when we work. He's going to bless us when we rest. But there's a certain kind of rest at certain times. So remember, this is counterintuitive. It's not going to make sense. Remember, this is faith-centered. Remember, it's empowered. I remember it's going to make you stand out amongst others because you're living differently and there's a different production from your life. Here it is. You ready? Man's first day was creation's sixth day. You're like, who cares? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Man's created on the sixth day, right? On the sixth day of creation. 
And on that day, Adam is given the to-do list of all to-do lists. 25,000 miles, Adam, in every direction from where we stand right now is a planet that's wild and untamed. There's fish that are bigger than you can imagine. There's animals that can run like the wind in a hurricane. There's, there's mountains that there's no air at the top of. There's, there's trenches at the bottom of the sea that are so deep that they dwarf the mountain's height. There's the heavens. There's, and 25,000 miles in every direction, I want you to fill it, and I want you to subdue it. How many of you guys think your honeydew list is big? How many of you guys think Adam's might have been larger? Now, that's day six. Are you still tracking? But on day seven, what happens? You got to hear me. The kingdom and the culture of the kingdom, look at this. Kingdom culture works from rest, not towards it. Are you getting this? Did it make any sense at all? This is what I mean by that. In your life, you look forward to a day called the day off. And by the time you hit the day off, you're so emotionally, spiritually, and physically exhausted that what you do the night before your day off, where your day off begins, because biblically our, our, our days go from sundown to sundown, not from sunup to sunup. We do sunup to sunup from 12 a.m. to, you know, 12 p.m. or whatever. It, this, is, this is different. So from sundown, the, the cycle that God created for us starts at sunset and goes to the next sunset. When, when we're like, I can't wait, I can't wait, we actually begin our day of rest by staying up too late, because we're so exhausted from thinking, we just want to watch MASH reruns till 2 in the morning. We want to binge watch whatever the latest and greatest Showtime, HBO, Sin to the Max, whatever that thing that's out there, right? We just want to binge because we're so exhausted. And we're, we're eating this during our Sabbath. Speaking of eating, our day off is always our cheat day. But let's be honest, we cheat just about every day anyway. We don't go to the gym on our day of rest because we, we don't take care of ourselves and we don't. So by the time we go back to work, we're barely catching up and we head into the next week just as exhausted as we ended the last week. Come on, somebody say amen. Why? Because when we do have time off, we mow the grass, we, we wash the dog, we clean the pool, we go visit grandma, and, and then grandma, we got to wash her dog, and we got to clean her pool that she hasn't used since 1943, and we got to mow her grass that hasn't been mowed since 1947, and that starts with a machete and works its way down, and the phone's ringing, and the calls are coming in, and the, right? So let me ask you this, like, like just, just grasp this for a second, working from rest, what if... What if, what if you started being restful, inspired? Like, like, look at this. God took Adam, who'd never worked a day in his life, and the first thing he did was tell him who he was and what work he was called to do, and then gave him a day to rest, be inspired, pray, worship, wander, and just be with God. Can you feel that? Like, when I just said that, my soul went, please listen to yourself. What if, the first thing he did, now listen, Adam, the whole world, has he worked a day in his life? Has he tended a garden? Has he named an animal? Has he lifted a finger? Somebody tell me. No. And, the first, and your mark gets set. You know, before you do any of that, while you're rested, let's just talk. So what do you, what do you, how big do you think the mountains are, Adam? Well, I don't know, Father. I, I mean, I can see a hill over there. because oh, you've got a big surprise waiting for you. <laughs> That's a hill. How deep do you think the ocean is? Oh, I don't know. Probably as deep as that tree. No. How big do you think a whale is? I don't know. But I can't wait to tame one and have it jump through a hoop at SeaWorld. Because I love protesters. 
Sorry, off, off base. Remember, you wear a mask, you get no respect from me. So, the, what, if, what if we walked into Monday morning having rested, been inspired, fellowship with people we love? What if we didn't cook and clean and mow and wash the dog? What, what if we walked into Monday with a to-do list that lasted the next six days and we were ready for it? How many guys, just by a show of hands, you've been on vacation and you really didn't know how exhausted you were until after a week or so you got some rest and you said, oh, I remember now what it, what it feels like to feel good. Let me see your hand. You ever had that? Like, man, and the problem is that happens on day six and I have to go back to work on day seven. I'm like, oh, I feel so good. Let's go back to church. Uh, right? Here we go. We gotta, and you work while you, when you shouldn't be working. Listen, hear me. I think, and I, I believe with all my heart, you would do well to schedule a reset in your life and at the end of that, a day. Catch up on all your to-do list, get it, whatever you got to do. But remember this, guys. It, it's counterintuitive. It, it's not going to make sense. But it, it will produce more fruit in six days of labor with a day of rest and worship than working seven days in a row. How do you know that? Because it's empowered by God. It's counterintuitive. I have faith that God can do that. He told his people all throughout time, from the Garden of Eden through to today, rest with me and I will empower you to do more. But I'm losing a day. No, you're investing a day. But I'm losing a dollar. No, you're investing a dollar. But I'm, but I'm losing my position. No, you're giving your position away and assuming a position of humility, and the last shall become... This, this, but I'm giving up my life. No, no, you're investing your life. And in giving it away, you're gaining something that the world knows almost nothing of. The soul does, but it's a, it's a shadow. Remember opening verse? Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. That's, that's what he does. This is what Adam is done. Like, and I, and I want to show you this, guys. Look at this. Rested people create, right? Exhausted people just manage. True or false? I'm on vacation. There's something magical about Ohio. Not Ohio State. The state of Ohio. It's flat for the most part. It's boring. You don't need a, uh, really a steering wheel between Toledo and Cincinnati. It just... Point in the right direction, jump in the back seat, take a nap. There's, there's no turns. And, and it's just boring. If, if you head east, it's more boring. There's not even like McDonald's. There's just these little occasional rest stops on the turnpike. What a scam that is, you know. And, and I, I, I get my best ideas driving north and driving south and driving east and driving west. Why? Because a part of me is engaged in driving, but I'm detached from the details, which is not comforting to my passengers, but it, it's... If you notice, my, my grandfather died um, just peacefully in his sleep. It was the other three people in the car that were screaming, no peace at all. <laughs> a terrible joke. I can't believe you laughed at that, Pastor Kim. But I create when I'm rested. I write when I'm rested. I read when I'm rested. I think I, I, just differently. And, I, and when I'm exhausted, I just manage. Listen, rested people are far more proactive and productive, and exhausted people are far more reactive and unproductive. You ever tried to assemble your kids' toys on Christmas Eve at 1 o'clock in the morning? Like, you need marriage counseling by 2 a.m., right? You're supposed to attach that. I know what I'm doing. Just leave me alone. Read the directions. You're just looking at the pictures. I, I can read, okay? I, you know what? It's, it's a big wheel. It has four parts. But where are you? Why? Because we're exhausted. Because we're tired. Because we've been shopping while the kids have been anticipating. And we're going to assemble till 2. But as soon as it's 3, they're going to wake up because Santa's come, right? Rested people live, exhausted people just 
they just merely survive. So here's my last question for you, all right? I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. Please read the board. When was the last time you as a family, you as an individual, whatever the dynamics are of your life, you just said, you know what, today, from sundown today till sundown tomorrow, I'm going to rest. I will tell you what we did this last week. And we didn't do this on purpose, but it was a beautiful, coincidental accident. How many of you guys know that, you know, uh, coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous in the circumstances sometimes? Friday, we woke up and looked at each other and said, what do you want to do? And normally there's a list. We said, let's, let's, well, let's, let's just go back to sleep. Lunchtime came, and don't judge me. I ordered, what's it called, Meals to Go or DoorDash? I had to keep it for So someone brought me food. I went out literally in a ripped T-shirt and my pajamas at noon and got it from a complete stranger. And she's like, hey, pastor. I'm like, hey, good to see you. Make sure the little button up front's a button. Hey, how are you? Good to... Right? Guy came in, and we sat down, and, you know, we, we, uh, dinner time came. We went downtown for dinner and uh, drove one car down. He said, let's just take a walk. We ended up walking all the way back to the house, like two and a half, three miles, just enjoying, just talking, just hanging out, just being a couple, just resting. Just, it wasn't like, so what are we going to do about this problem? What about the budget for 2020? And how are you going to handle this situation? It was none of that. It was like, hey, look at that house. Isn't that a pretty house? I love that house. Hey, hey, that, you know, uh, the, the Coxes used to live in that house. And let, uh, we should tell Pastor Kyle and, and Ashley, they should, like, go look at that house. And I remember the time we just walked back home, and Tony Brown tried to run us over for some strange reason. You get out of the road, you idiot. I'm like, hey, that's Tony Brown's voice. How you doing, man? You know? So I lean my head in the window. We're in the middle of traffic. Go around us. We're talking. It's the Sabbath. It's holy. Shut up. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, by the time Saturday came, I was ready to go to work. Painted the laundry room. Worked in the yard. Planted some stuff. Tore up some stuff. I was ready. And I'm telling you, one day in your pajamas in the presence of God will bless the other six days. And you need it. I don't have time. You're wasting your time. Not wasting your time. If you don't choose a day to just invest in the presence of the Lord, you'll be missing out on so much. So do me a favor. Stand your feet. I literally have like 14 messages have come on. This must be really important. Uh, Newman. Thanks, buddy. Watching live stream. Appreciate you. Thanks for the text. You're not wasting everybody's time at all. It's wonderful. Great, thanks. There we go. Okay, the last one's an email. Father, I pray that today you'd show us in our life, in our calendar, in the budget of our time, a button in big red letters. It says reset. We need to, we need to press it every week. Every week, every week, every week, every week, every week, every week. If we're at war, we can't do it. But we're not at war. We're not soldiers in Afghanistan. We're, we're middle-class people in Fenton. God, every week, every week, we need a time with family. We need a time to drink coffee with our grandkids. We need a time to listen with friends. We need time for a long walk with the love of our life. We need time to think and meditate and pray. We need time to just rest, go back to bed and not feel guilty about it. We need a day that we offer to you as a day of rest in faith, believing that it will be empowered, that it will be blessed, and that our lives fruit will come out of that God that will feed the nations every week, every week, every week. Press the button, press the button, press the button. I pray for a wisdom in this series, God, as we learn to manage time, to look for the rhythms, the rhythms.
that you've created, God. This is what we live. The rhythms, God. Let us live in the rhythm. By rowing at the right time, the boat goes faster than just rowing spastically in circles. The rhythms. Father, I pray that you would bless this church to be in rhythm. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I would just say this. How do, how do I get there? I would say the first step for this is, is not just resetting a clock or making a decision to press that button. Maybe repentance isn't just for those who, you know, are, are cat-eating maniacs that, you know, or murder people with ads. Maybe, maybe repentance is just any time we as, as people recognize our life's trajectory is off two degrees from God's trajectory for our lives, and we willingly bring back into balance, back into the right direction, back into order that which we have received from the Lord. We just say, you're right. So God, I pray today uh, for a variety of things. It's not, it's not just those that would correct the Sabbath rest in their life or rhythm that's, that's that you've given us that you've promised to bless. It's more than that, God. There's some people that just a long ways from God been suffering from doubt, fear. God, there's some people here that just, they, they just really been hurting and, and their fingers have been pointed at heaven and saying, it's your fault. Some people just, they just don't know, God, but in this moment, they're feeling this tug on their heart they want to respond to. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the tugs on all of our hearts. Let us now remember the words of Jesus that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All the stuff we're talking about and so much more is within our grasp. We could reach out right now with faith and we could grasp it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're like, Jim, for a variety of reasons, but the trajectory of my life is off. If it's Sabbath, if it's repentance of all sin, whatever it is, I want to bring my life back in the trajectory that Christ would have me to walk that straight and narrow path. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand up right now all over this room. By raising your hand, my eyes are closed. I don't know if people's hands are raised or not, but you do. God, here's my hand. Here's my heart. I make the following corrections. I will move my life on the path, on the trajectory that you have laid before me as blessed. So forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my errors. Forgive me of my ignorance. Forgive me of my disobedience. Forgive me of my lapse to judgment. God, whatever we want to call it, forgive us. And from this point on, let us adjust our course to follow you. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Altar workers are coming forward. And... Uh, if you'd like prayer for anything today, I know Risen Community uh, folks are going to be out in the foyer way to the right. If you want to ask them questions or give them a handshake with a dead president in it or you want to say, hey, I'll see you next Sunday or whatever. And uh, God bless you guys. You had a good day at church? Hey, why don't you do this? Everybody, just take tomorrow off. I bless. I bless Monday as a Sabbath. Go have fun. If you need prayer, come forward. You got what you need.